new uh, camera set up today, so I'm going to see if, if it works doing two cameras. We can get a little more intimate uh, <laughs> intimate video of the, uh, the people. So hopefully it works out. Um, welcome back to the podcast, folks. I am here today with Dylan Kauf of the Double K Ranch. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. You said you were thirsty. You're thirsty? Yeah. Would you like a kombucha? I'll take a bitch. (laughs) I got sour cherry or uh, apple turmeric. Apple. Apple? I like turmeric. Here you go, man. Yeah, here. Mm. Think we're okay? House, yeah. House of Ferments from my friend Aaron. Aaron Belmont, who does a wide variety of delicious fermented beverages and sour cherry. She's got a ton of ton of great flavors there. All right, so you're hydrated, ready to go. Lubricate those vocal cords. <laughs> tell me about uh, tell me about the business. Let's start from the beginning. Yeah, tell me tell me I how mean, all the way in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Like, give us the history. Yeah, started in uh, 1985 before I was even born when my dad bought the ranch. Okay. I mean, you could say it started before then, too, but uh, our ranch started uh, in 1985. He had his family, well, let me start that over. His uncle was a ranch manager, I believe, and he would go to that ranch a bunch, and uh, it was basically like a family ranch that he could go hang out at all the time, and they would spend their summers there. He'd learn to drive a truck. He learned, you know, well-being, welfare for animals and where meat came from, and that it wasn't just something you just bought at a grocery store and there's zero connection which is kind of where it's gone um and so that he was over there a lot and enjoyed a lot of time there on that ranch and then they lost that ranch or it sold uh, and he wasn't able to go there anymore and he kind of vowed to be able to try and get a ranch if he could make it happen one day to show his family and his kids that uh you know it doesn't just come in a grocery store and he was able to do that out here in montana he looked kind of all over, actually, uh, Wyoming, Idaho, Montana, and uh, luckily settled here in the Bitterroot Valley. Luckily, indeed. Nice place to Great be. Great place <laughs> to be. And so right. you guys are you're just right on the north side of Darby, basically. Yeah, northwest. Northwest of Darby, yeah. yeah up Turn in the hills Darby there. D. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go up the hill. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's a beautiful location. Yeah. That's a beautiful location. A lot of people go up there and they're like, I didn't even know this was up here. I know. It's like a little paradise. It's just forest from there. Yeah, it's a little paradise (laughs) right there. So you started, okay, so the ranch started in 1985. Yep. And you operated for a long time. I don't know if I told you this before, but I bought a steer (laughs) from your guys' ranch when I was in 4-H. Hell yeah. This was like like in 2000 or something. This is a long, long time ago. But I, I bought a. Greg did some work down there and stuff. So yeah, Greg. We're all friends. Yeah, Greg um, was always telling me stories about working on um, what was that movie you guys filmed here? Uh, the one he did a while ago was uh, oh god, disorganized crime. Disorganized crime, that's the had one. A few names. <laughs> yep, yeah, because his brother Kerry had worked a little bit on. He's a construction worker. I think he's built helping build sets or something. And Greg was up there. Okay, as well nice. doing. Stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, crazy. I mean, it was funny because I I heard stories about your family. Yeah, growing up from Greg, he'd always talk about you guys and like going to the movie, you That's know, watching funny. movies with your dad and that kind of stuff, and and then and and then we just I didn't even know I didn't even know who you were at first when you when you came into uh, Bandit when I was working there back oh, in the day, and yeah, one thing leads to another. We became friends, and and uh, here we are. So, Silent. yeah, I bought. I was. I, 
it just blew my That's mind when funny. I <laughs> made that connection. I was like, wait a minute. I've been up here before. Heck yeah. And yeah, so you guys have been around for a while. And yeah. so it progressed into uh, you guys ra- raised Red Angus. Has always been Red Angus? Yeah, he started. He kind of messed around and got different breeds and tried different right. uh, flavors, really, just because he wanted to see what he liked and yeah, settled on Red Angus. Um, and so ever since I was born, or since I remember, it's always been Red Angus. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so I was born in 96, so 11 years after he bought the place. Um, but yeah, he pretty much, he started as like 30 acres and then he piecemealed a bunch of pieces together. And eventually, I mean, I think it took over 10 years to get all the land that he has now, but it's just under 800 acres. Wow. Um, and yeah, so we raised beef. Uh, only beef until about 2008. There was like a year where we had, we just bought in some pigs to raise pigs. Um, Cause there's little photos of me when I'm like a baby with some pigs. <laughs> um, right on the back. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Um, but it was pretty much just all beef until 2008. And then the stock market crash happened. And so we sold the herd off to Bob Sutherland and just got rid of all the cows. Uh, and for a few years, we didn't have any animals up there. Um, and then we kind of, he decided that, you know, we wanted to at least have, a few beef for ourselves because we'd then gone through all our meat at that point. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, don't buy <laughs> any other meat. So we started growing the herd again a little bit and just started with one cow, one mm-hmm. calf cow pair and went from there. Um, and then in 2019 is when we decided to really do something with it. Um, I think we only had like maybe 20 cows at that point. Not even. Okay. <laughs> Like total with the babies and steers. And oh wow! Um, it wasn't like an operation. It was really just we had gotten it back so we could have uh, it personal for use. Family and yeah. Everything. Um, but everything kept getting more and more expensive, and it was to the point where you know deciding what our sibling, my siblings, and I would do. Um, and I had been working in restaurants and all that, and I met a guy working at Conflux, and we wanted to open our own little restaurant, possibly in Missoula. Right. And I had the meat shop down here, and we wanted to somehow combine the two, but we just didn't have enough money to do that. <laughs> um, so we're like, well, we have the meat shop. Let's just start making salami. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay. So we got so- an understate inspection in 2019, and that was sorry, kind of sidetracked there. But <laughs> so you had the you had the the meat shop open at the farm. Yeah, we built it already. in 2001. So my dad built oh, okay. it. Okay. I think right when he was yeah, 50 years old. I don't know if it's his first 50th birthday. That's what my mom says, but. <laughs> Could be. Um, Makes a good story. Yeah. Uh, so we built it in 2001, and it was just for our cousin actually came out. He was a butcher in San Francisco area. I think like San Jose or might have been in San Francisco, that area in California. And he came out to basically open this butcher shop with my dad. Um, and they, yeah, just did like family butchering. They sold to Bud and Shirley's down in Darby when that was still a thing. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> right on. Um, we just sold a lot of like whole half quarter beef. Gotcha. Um, and so he did a whole operation for a little while when I was a kid. His name was Thad, and he was our butcher, and he did all these awesome products and jerky and snack sticks and all sorts oh, of fun right things. Okay. And then that kind of got phased out uh, when we sold the herd and everything. And um, eventually we were kind of just renting it to other butchers who did some wild game processing and custom processing like that, and they just rented the shop and did other people's stuff until we had our own herd. Okay. Um, so it was a way to just use the space still and not let it just sit there empty. Right. Um, but yeah, it kind of, it took a while to grow the herd back up to where it is now. 
How many head do you have now? Now we have, I think, right, well, no. <laughs> we had uh, we had about 150, I believe, with all the moms and babies and bulls and everything right. and the steers that we had. But with opening our deli, we've just been blowing through a lot of meat. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and we've been going through more than we had animals for, so we had to get some animals in. Um, so the guy that we sold our herd to that I was saying, Bob Sutherland there in Stevensville, we yeah. had to get some more beef from him. Um, so we just got 85 or 80 young steers, oh, wow. uh, right. like 700 pounders. And so we've always, we've worked with Bob for a long time getting bulls. Our bulls are from him. Um, we sold him our herd. We bought a lot of beef from him. So it's kind of, it's all the same beef, which is great. Um, so to keep going, we had to get more steers. So now right. we have... I think a little over 200 with those 80 that we bought. Oh, nice. There's a bunch of beef running around. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and he's, a, he's a big fan of the, of the Red Angus, too. Oh, yeah. I went to, I went to their, their yeah, operation real good beef. <laughs> last year. Yeah, it's yeah. a cool cool spot up there. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So you, so you met the guy from Conflux, and you wanted to start a restaurant, and then ended yep. up just started. Yeah, we were looking at some places in town, and... Like getting all the ideas, quoting it up, and we're like, "Ooh, this is gonna cost more than we thought initially." Um, and it was one of those things where we had a conversation with my family, and we were like, "Well, we have the meat shop. Let's just start there, um, and just see if we can make anything happen with that." Right on. Um, and then we didn't have to worry about other employees. We didn't have to worry about opening a restaurant. It was just us two. We quit our jobs and <laughs> started cutting meat. <laughs> started cutting meat and making sausage. Neither of us had any butcher experience. He had experience making salami okay. at a restaurant he'd worked at before and sausages. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where the idea came from. Um, after the restaurant thing kind of passed, he was like, well, I know how to make charcuterie and sausages. Let's just start doing that. No one At that time, no one was making salami in Montana. And now there's only one other guy doing it in Bozeman. Um, so there's only two of us that make like old world fermented real salami. Um, and so, yeah, when we started it and no one was doing it, we're like, Oh, that's a cool thing. No, that's awesome. Yeah. You, you're raising your own, your own beef for it. And then, and then turning them. Oh my God. And it's so good too. That stuff is delicious. Yeah. Salami is pretty good. (laughs) Salami, all of it, the salami, the, I mean, you guys got a ton of products now, but that was a fun one is we wanted to start making salamis and we only had beef, and then getting through all the state inspection, they're like, oh, you can't do beef salami. It has to be pork or lamb. Why can't you do beef salami? Because there were no studies that would prove that you could kill E. coli and all that in beef. Oh, really? Okay. And then there were a couple of studies done, but they were specifically for these plants, and we couldn't use them for ourselves, and it was like, yeah. So now we do beef salamis, but they're smoked. Okay. So that's how you kill the E. coli. It's heat lethality instead of just drying. Right, right. Um, whereas the pork and the lamb salamis are traditional. I mean, the beef is still traditional too. Mm-hmm. They smoked a lot of salamis back in the day, but um, it's just there's no heat treatment. It just dries, right. so it's just sitting at fifty five, fifty six degrees, and it just sits there for two months, three months, and just dries, growing <laughs> and changing. And yep. <laughs> oh yeah, it's so good. I love the the chorizo. Is still my favorite yeah, from you guys. I absolutely love it. <laughs> Trying to get that one into grocery stores and sell. Oh, that'd be a great <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That and the, um, well, your bologna also. Yeah. The bologna's been a struggle, but we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's so well, Our smoker about? keeps breaking. We have a, like, you can get smokers the size of this room and then way bigger for meat shops yeah. and all sorts of crazy things. But we have, like, a little tiny, okay. cheapo <laughs> smoker for now because we just haven't been able to afford one of the big ones. Gotcha. Um, which eventually one day we'd love to do, but 
that thing has keep kept breaking on us and then just the recipe is real finicky to get it without right. any we don't put any additives or preservatives in our meats the only thing we do ever put in is nitrates because you have to for certain products legally and it kills botulism and you don't want that um but so getting it to be like perfect bologna every time some batches work perfectly and some it's not as good hmm. we do the same exact thing and we're trying to figure that one out <laughs> all right all right before we get it into any stores <laughs> it's probably a good move Salami, we've had five years now of honing in, so we're ready for it. <laughs> nice, yeah. And so you guys do you do all grass-fed, right? Yep, everything. Well, all the beef is grass-fed, pasture-raised, never in a feedlot or a barn. or Awesome. Even though I, a couple of weeks ago and it was really cold, I wish they, or sure wish they had a barn. <laughs> they sure wish they had a barn. <laughs> yeah, they just pile but up. But they huddle up. Yeah. They're fine. They're big. Um, and then the, the pigs do get a feed. Um, we were getting it from Potomac, but that guy shut down, unfortunately. So now we're getting it from Idaho out by uh, Sandpoint, I believe. Um, so still, you know, local in the Pacific Northwest within, yeah. within a few hours. Um, and it's a really good non-GMO feed that's made from all locally grown products that they get. Um, so the nice thing about that is it reduces emissions and all sorts of good things because it's not transported as far. It's not coming from all over overseas the, yeah. and stuff like that. Um and it's just a healthy non-GMO feed. So that's what the pigs get, and they're super tasty. Um, but oh, they're always man. on pasture, too. They're not a lot of pork in America. I forget the percentage, but it's, like, pretty much all of the pork in America besides small farms like us doing pastured pork, but that's only a tiny percent. Yeah, yeah. Is all raised in barns and, like, their entire life yep. in confinement in rooms this big. Yeah, they never see. to a room. Never a see pen. the outdoors. Never, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. So they're always outside, which is nice. A lot of yeah. sunshine. Happy, yeah. rooting around, doing all the stuff. Yeah, feed, roots, they just enjoy. <laughs> nice. Tear up the fences. It's and <laughs> so what, what kind of pigs do you have? We do Berkshires. Okay. Which is it's basically the Wagyu of pork. If you know Snake River Farms, they're like the biggest Wagyu provider in America. I think they're, you know, huge. Um, and they sell a bunch of Wagyu beef and Korobuto pork, which means black pig in Japanese. Um, and it's the Berkshire pig. And I think there's, I think large blacks also count too, but the Berkshires are basically what they're selling. And it's like the premium good pork. Okay. They sell for a lot more than we do. <laughs> they can get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> People would yell at us. It's fair enough. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, we just bite the bullet on that one. Cause it's really good. <laughs> hey, if you, if you can make it work. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those products where they definitely eat their share of the profit, but <laughs> But they're tasty. They're really good, and we love it. And right on. The beef is our kind of our main thing. We're a beef ranch that raises pork, so we have pork in our deli, and so we can make salami out of it. But that's not our focus. We just want to have it, so we have the salami, and we have all the right. great products you can make from pork, which there's a lot of them. There, there are many. Yeah, there are many. Yeah, there's a. You can do pretty much anything and everything with pigs. That's why we love them. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But too many outside, and they destroy the land a lot. So, <laughs> how many how many pigs do you have now? Um, about fifty five, I think. Wow! All right. Yep. Yeah, we have. That's a well, decent herd. No, we've actually gone through a few recently because we've been processing them. But we have a smaller batch of about twenty six, and then ten more in the older batch, and then about six left in the butcher but weight batch. So forty what, something. <laughs> what is the, what is the proper name for a group of pigs? There's a it, lot of names. I, was, I don't think herd <laughs> is right. No, yeah, I've, uh, it's funny because I've looked it all up, but there's literally like a name 
for each specific, like a group of boars, a group of sows, a group of boars and sows. A oh boy, of, all right. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> it's not just like herd. There's like five, ten different definitions for those groups of pigs over there. All right. Who knew? All so, right. I didn't remember any well, of them. Well, I, I guess it just goes to show how important of an animal it, it, yeah. it really is. Yeah, from snout to hoof, you can eat the whole thing, or tail, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. But they're good. Skin, fat. We use all the fat for our deep fryer. Yeah. Fat french fries. Oh, yeah. Oh, that stuff is so good. <laughs> Can't go wrong. Do you guys do anything with the trotters? We've sold a bunch of them. Weirdly, when we opened, we had a ton of requests for pig's feet. Really? And then that's kind of died down, but... We sell them. Maybe and somebody then, just wanted to pickle a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then recently, we haven't been scalding the pigs because we're making a specific pig kill floor because mm-hmm. we weren't able to really fit all of our equipment in the kill floor we have currently to do beef and pork at the same or uh, conveniently. We have to like move equipment in and out, and it's a pain in the butt. So we're building a little section to do pigs specifically where it can be that's the ad equipment and the beef is over there. And so our scalder, we haven't been using the scalder for a while, so you right. can't sell the pig's feet unless they're scalded because uh, they're hairy okay. and gross. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But once we get that done, hopefully here by March, then we'll be scalding them again, and we'll have the skin and the heads, feet, all that. Do all the good stuff. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that process. So you, you guys have to get inspected basically every, every what is day. it, every day? Yeah. <laughs> Unless, I mean, they've been low-staffed at some times, and they'll just text us like, hey, we just can't. <laughs> we trust you. Um, we tell them what we're doing or whatnot. Yeah. But, yeah, they're supposed to be there every day, check paperwork, you know, look at the cleanliness of the shop and all that. Um, and then the kill day, they're there, like, the entire day. Uh, and they have to, you know, inspect every animal, make sure there's nothing that looks out of the ordinary, diseased right. or whatever. Um they check all the livers, hearts, check the heads, lymph nodes and stuff, and make sure everything looks good. Very thorough. Of every animal. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's quite a, that's quite the process. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I mean, uh, I can I can see how it's how it's challenging to, to bring products like that to the market because of yeah, <laughs> because of how much inspecting there there is going on. Well, and it's. You know, typically, the chain has been where you have a, a ranch that raises the animal, and they there's a calf-cow ranch or whatever that burrs the animal, um, and they raise them up to a certain point, and then they sell them in semi-truck loads to feedlots, and then feedlots take yeah. them, and they feed them up, and then they sell them to a slaughter plant, and the slaughter plant kills them, and then they send them off to either other butchers or delis or meat shops or grocery stores or all, restaurants all around the country. And that's how it is with 85-ish percent of the meat. Wow, done okay. through four big companies, yeah, um, and they're processing hundreds of thousands of animals a day. Um, which I mean, you got to feed the country somehow, but <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Um, yeah, it gets a lot of hands that it goes through for sure. Um, from birth of the animal to your plate, and a lot of miles. Like the typical steak is like eighteen hundred plus miles to get to your plate, and so it's really nice. Raising the animals, slaughtering them, butchering them, curing them, selling them in our deli, turning them into burgers. Oh, and it you never can... leaves our hand all the way yeah. to the final product. And now that we're getting back into wholesale, we'll sell it to other grocery stores and stuff. Awesome. Um, we're getting there. So it's going into one more hand, but it's still the final product. It's not like it's getting killed somewhere else right, or yeah. fed out somewhere else. Um, not so being... That's a really unique thing that really we haven't found anyone else doing the entire process because – 
I mean, it's taken us 38 years to get to this point. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, more than my lifetime. Yeah. Um, and so it's definitely a generational thing to make this happen with having the ranch and then building a meat shop and then getting under inspection. It's a lot of steps and processes that other ranches just, it's typically, it's hard to do. Absolutely. Um, but it's really cool to be in charge of all the steps and not have our animals ever leave our care. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, that doesn't happen enough. Yeah. Anymore. And we're know? trying to, our, my goal would be to, you know, get it settled where ours runs smoothly and goes well. And then if we can, you know, find a big investor and kind of franchise that and help other ranches build a meat shop and processing yeah, facility yeah. and a sales store and all that. Bring meat back to the people, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Take it from the big four. <laughs> yeah. That's no right. One, no one needs that. <laughs> it's I, not good for the environment. It's not good for your body. No, it's really not. And it's, I mean, you also get, you know, maybe slightly more expensive, but the benefits you get from all of that sort of thing just completely outweigh yeah. everything else, right? Because you're, you have a healthier animal, you have a generally healthier product in the end, mm-hmm. and then more money stays local. Yeah, there's more jobs local, money yep. stays local, animals healthier, lands healthier. Uh, you're not doing nearly as much emissions by the traveling and yeah. transport of all that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just beneficial in every way, keeping it local. We're keeping dollars local. Yeah, um, that's what it's all about. Yeah, you're not taking it away. Yeah, how many <laughs> how many employees do you have now? We, so we're small. I mean, the ranch has two full-time employees. The meat shop has three full-time employees. Um, and that is set to grow as we grow, hopefully. But, sure. I mean, the ranch at most would probably have three full-time employees. The meat shop maybe up to six. Okay. So it's small, hey, and that's still, the goal is you, you, that's, know, you only feed a small area. That's nine people to employ yeah. right there. And then you also have the deli. And then in, our deli has 20, so <laughs> there's more. There you go. Yeah. Let me, let me give me one second. I just want to check this camera, make yeah. sure it's still recording. Drink some kombucha. Perfect. We're still on a roll. <laughs> New camera setup, everybody. I just want to make sure we get everything yeah. going here. All right. So well, let's talk about that then, the deli. You've been open for yeah. a little more than a year now, right? Yeah, last November, so a little over a year. It's crazy. And, how, and how's that going? Good. Um, kind of better than expected. Different than expected, too. We had built it with intentions of it being a meat shop because we had done the markets before and all that. and mm-hmm. Had a lot of people that just loved buying our meat. And then we had our food truck, and people loved the food truck, too. But we would built it really as a meat shop that you could come get a sandwich or come get a burger to go and go to Dram Shop next door or what not not really as a restaurant but that's where it's all been <laughs> it's like 80 percent restaurant wow a lot of i mean people love coming and buying meat and we in the busier times we went through about a beef a week up there and nice. now we're going through okay. about a half beef in january since it's slower um but yeah it's really was more sales towards the restaurant side um yeah which is awesome so we're trying to plan to expand that side of it and add a dining room and make it more of a restaurant where you can now like know that you can sit down and not just have all three tables be taken up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's three tables. It fills up quick. <laughs> it does. That's awesome, though. I mean, that's. Yeah, I mean, and the food you guys are making there—it's yeah. just the specials are out of this world. Yeah, I mean, I think oh, we're—I haven't fact-checked it, but it's very tough to do what we do up there. So I think we're the only restaurant in Missoula and probably the state that has only served like every single ounce of meat has been from butchered in our meat shop and from the bitter valley so it's all been from within 70 miles of the oh, deli that's so cool like every single ounce not a single pound has been served of commercial box meat or anything like that 
That's if awesome. we sell out, we sell out. It's not like, oh shit, we'll buy it and then I'd, get ours later. I'm <laughs> a huge fan of that concept too yeah. of, I mean, not only, you know, buying, buying your food locally and, and, and being able to serve it locally, but also just, Hey, well, we had this amount and we ran out. Yeah. I mean, that's just how it goes. And that's, that's how much there is. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like that's what we're trying to show people is, you know, you only get a ribeye's this big, you get two of those per beef. You get two New Yorks per beef. You get one, one tri-tip per half, two tri-tips per beef, two flank steaks per beef, roughly four skirt steaks per beef. So a lot of these things, you're only getting a little bit, and yeah. then you get a lot of yeah. trim and rounds and chuck and burger and all these things. And so to always have ribeye means you're either going through a lot of burger or it's building up um, or you're buying it from somewhere else, which that's the typical way is you just have a meat shop and you buy in the cuts you need and you sell a bunch of ribeyes because you buy in a lot of ribeyes. But we just, once the ribeyes sell, then you got to wait until we butcher another beef. <laughs> I love it. A little, little bit of exclusivity yeah. there, a little... I mean, that's what's great, too, is when you buy a steak from us, I mean, it's aged 30 days from when we killed it because we age all our beef 30 days for tenderness and flavor and all mm -hmm. that. Um, but then it's butchered and sold, and then you eat it. I mean, we have a little freezer section to keep some stocks. So you can go in and just get some stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so besides that, when you're buying it out of our fresh case, it is, like, as fresh as it can get. <laughs> awesome. Are you guys going to do any dry aging? Like beyond the 30 days yeah. we've, <laughs> we want to. Um, this past year we basically went through, yeah, roughly a beef a week. So we went through about 45 beef. Okay. Um, and so we sold all the ribeyes. And so we think we'll get to the point where yeah, we're running through about a beef a week, but we want to, the ranch can sustainably raise about 150 every year. Okay. So we'd have three beef a week and that's why we're trying to get back into wholesale. So the goal being in that point when we're butchering three beef a week, that we can save some ribeyes and age them and then have more for the holidays too. Cause we get a ton of prime rib orders and we can only fulfill like 15. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so ideally if we're selling three beef a week, we would be keeping all the ribeyes for the deli and all the New Yorks and then using them for specials. If we opened up the new edition, we'd want to add steaks onto the menu and have like, you can have a steak dinner. Um, we try and get a beer and wine license so we can have, you know, you can have a glass of wine, sit down, have a nice, good, 30-day age, locally raised, butchered steak. <laughs> Love it. Um, and that's like our big thing is just never serving a product that's not either from our ranch or from the Bitterroot Valley. And we raise all the beef and pork. And like I said, we sometimes have to get some local beef to supplement, but we always get them at a young enough age where we can finish them out on grass. And they're always, you know, we make sure they're, basically they always come from Bob Sutherland. There are no hormones added, antibiotics, any of that stuff. Um but we raise all the beef and the pork, and then we get local lambs, and then sometimes local bison, sometimes local goats, but it's always from the Bitterroot Valley. It's always, you know, from within a few miles of where we are, and nothing's right really on. ever traveling nearly as far as it does. Where where are bison coming from these days? I haven't seen many around in the valley lately. Um, there's some south in Darby. We okay. haven't actually worked with any of those ranches yet. We're going to here soon. Um, we were working with Bitterroot Bison out of Lolo, but they moved to Lincoln. yeah. We did get one recently from them, but it might be a little tougher. We're still working on that just for inspection because they're so far away. Right. And it's tough for them to load them up live, and it's a whole thing. Um, they're trying to figure out just being able to, yeah, do it under inspection still. Okay, yeah. Where they can get the animal here. Or it's a whole tricky thing with bison because they're much more of a pain <laughs> to get in a shoot and in a building. And yeah, I could believe that. <laughs> I do miss seeing them out there in Lolo, though. That was, yeah, I know. That was one of the cool seeing them. the nice rewards about traveling yeah. to missoula 
It's, oh, at least you get to see the yeah, bison on the, the way bison. up there. Yeah. You got to go south now. <laughs> I guess so. I got to go further south. So what? what's in the... What's kind of the future plan? What's the next year look like for the the meat shop and the deli? Yeah, the biggest thing is seeing if we can expand the deli. We're in the works of it now, talking with our leasers, the mall up there in Missoula, and okay. our architects and contractors, and seeing if we can really make it a real full-blown restaurant. Awesome. In, the, in, the, in that same spot? Yep, just adding to the side and basically having the market area. We'd get rid of all the seating there except for a couple seats at the bar for, like, you know, to-go orders. We can just okay. sit and wait. Um, but we'd add a big center section where there's a bunch more retail items and cheeses and meats and stuff like that. We'd add more jerkies and snack sticks. And then we'd add a dining room to the side, so we'd cut a hole in the wall. And then it'd be, like, a dining room. Oh, okay. And so you'd have, like, a dining room and a market area, and then we'd have a bigger kitchen in the back. Um and yeah, really make it like full blown restaurant and market. Heck yeah. There's a restaurant in LA by Curtis Stone, like Gwen. Um, and they kind of have a similar, it's a smaller market thing because they didn't open it just like a market like we did at first. Right. But they took over this really beautiful old building and dining room, and they have a great dining room and then a little butcher shop right there. At like right when you walk in, you can buy steaks. There's a meat counter and steaks and everything. You can see like a dry aging cabinet. It's a really beautiful restaurant. That one's more like fine dining. Sure. Um, so we would be more like deli starting like that, but it'd be the same thing. You'd come in and get a glass of wine and a dinner and a steak or a steak dinner, pork chop, whatever. Have a nice dinner in the dining room. Go over and buy a steak and some other stuff and go home. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's the big, big plan for 2024 is just focusing on that, seeing if we can make that a restaurant because we've bounced back a bunch of ideas of doing more events at the ranch. Um, cause those have always been fun and successful, but they're mm-hmm. a lot harder. <laughs> yeah. You guys do a dinner up there. <coughs> yeah. We'll year? keep doing that one for sure. We'll always do that one. Um, I gotta make it to that this year. Yeah. It's, <laughs> well, it looks like a like, good time. That's our best dinner. Cause we do an eight course wine pairing and mm-hmm. we just get really fancy with it. Um, cause yeah, the deli hasn't been like an eight course meal kind of place right now, <laughs> but with the dining room, hopefully we can do stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, we've pushed back a lot of ideas. There's one of like adding on to the meat shop and getting the smoker and pushing yeah. that kind of stuff. But the one that seems to benefit us and the community the most is really adding on the restaurant space because it creates an awesome restaurant. It creates the ability for us to sell more of our product through ourselves. Right. Because we have the goal would be, I think, 60 to 70 seats. So it's a pretty decent size. That is, area. yeah. Um, so we could just be in charge of a lot more of our product that goes out the window, which is nice, uh, or out the door, I guess. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's what we've kind of decided on between everything that we've thought of is okay. just really growing that one because uh, we have a lot of customers up there and it's going really well. And instead of trying to do yet another place and start a whole other staff and another chef and sous chef and managers and all that, it's better to grow with the one and really make that one as best as we can before we think about going anywhere else yet. Right, yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's a good plan. Yeah. It's a great plan. And we're talking with a lot of grocery stores and other restaurants, and we have a sales rep in Bozeman now. And awesome. So we're trying to just get the salami out there and okay. other places, too, and just have our salami. Because that's the f- most fun product that I like to make and that right. we have because it's so unique and it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and really trying to get that one around the state and then just everything else through our deli and restaurant. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. It's a lot of fun. It's, the meat <laughs> empire is growing. Whoop. My bad. Yeah. 
<laughs> right on. I'm trying to get it around the state now, at least the salami, because it's uh, it's fun. You know, you can. It's the best meal. You slice up some salami, get a loaf of bread, get some cheese, bottle of wine. What more? <laughs> what more could you want? Nothing. Good view. <laughs> also, yeah. Yeah, go to the mountains and you're set. <laughs> there you go, right on. Um, well, why don't you tell the people where they can find your stuff? Yeah. I mean, right now, the deli is the best spot. Okay, so the um, deli in Missoula, which is right next to Southgate yeah, Mall. Yeah, deli in Missoula. Um, if you know where the dram shop is, just yeah, go yeah. two doors down. <laughs> uh, it's where you can get basically all of our products we have there from our salamis. We make all our jerkies up there. Steaks, roast, burger, you can buy, you know, sandwiches. And then we have cheeses, uh, crackers, all sorts of things for charcuterie boards. Yeah. Um, just a whole bunch of stuff up there. And then you can also come down to the meat shop in Darby on the ranch, and you can kind of see the ranch, see the meat shop. We have a little retail store there where you can get we have frozen meats, burger, all the salamis, a couple retail items. It's just like a little mini version of the deli. Mm-hmm. No burgers to go. <laughs> just ground beef. <laughs> Um, so the two main places for now, we're getting our online shop revamped too. So you'll be able to buy salami online. Oh, excellent. So we'll be shipping that all over the state. And then, yeah, we're talking with a lot of grocery stores and, uh, restaurants and getting the ball rolling on that. We just started packaging all of our salamis and getting them ready to go. So it's just starting. (laughs) Awesome. Looking forward to it. Yeah. I think 2024 is going to be an awesome year for you guys. It's going to be a busy one. Right. It'll be a fun one. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. We're excited. So... All right, Dylan. Well, I appreciate your time, sir. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Talking meat shop with you. It's always fun to talk meat. (laughs) All right. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in. This has been another episode of the Hustle and Homes podcast. I will see you next time. (laughs) 